0: Okay, we're going to start here on the top of Teremut Avot by the two dots. Kumar again is quoting the Tosefta. the last part of the Tosefta that we had back on Tavov, which is Omrim. Iskopa Shtei Rishuyot. As opposed to the previous statement in the Tosefta, which said that the Iskopa was a Makom Petur. We here, the Akhirim say that the Iskopa functions both as a Rishuti Yachid and the Rishuta Rabim. Zman When the door is open, Kilifnim. It has a din like a Rishuti on the inside. Petach Na'ul. On the other hand, if the door is closed, Tilachutz. Then it has a din like being on the outside. So now the Gemara is going to present the question on this piece of the Tosefta, which is, can that really be true? Is that really right? What we're describing over here. Because, and I'm going to read this Gemara according to Rashi. Tospoda has a slightly different way of reading the Gemara, but according to Rashi. The question is, the delet Is that true? even though there's no Lechi. So we've discussed before already that a Lechi is used to become the equivalent of a fourth wall, midrabanan, or to demarcate where the end of the Rishut yachid is in the beginning of the rishuta rabim, and it's required to be there. So here you can see in this picture you have a Lechi that's the end of the doorway. This is an area that where they have a mavoid they have a of and they put a Lechi at the end, to demarcate where the end of that Mavui is, and where the Rishut Rabim is. So the Lechi is over there. So Rashi says that the Gemara at this point is saying, wait a minute, how could it be that all of this is fine, and we don't worry about the outside being part of the Rishut Rabim because of the placement of the Lechi. And that is, we have over here, Ramarav Hamar Barguya, Amarav Tocha Petach, The inside of the Petach requires a second lechi in order to be matirit. So in this instance, had the lechi been over here on the inner edge of the doorway, that's what the assumption, according to Rashi, is of the Gemara. That the lechi was on the inner edge of the doorway, and now the Gemara is asking, how could it be that the area of the doorway itself is considered to be a Rishudah if there's no lechi on the outside of the doorway, and that's the Gemara is asking over here. Even though there's a lechi on the inside, you need a second lechi on the outside in order to be matir this area between the doorways in the door frame, basically of the area of the door frame. Over here in this picture, it would be this area. You would need a lechi on the outside over here in order to cover the area of the door frame. So Gemara wants to know how come there's no lechi over there, meaning that the Gemara assumed over here. That the only lechi was on the inside. And number two is at Michodom chodol mupnim. From the inner edge of the lechi is where you're allowed to utilize. So the inner edge of this inner lechi would only be matir, the area on the inside. The door frame would be completely excluded from that. And since it's excluded from that, how could it be that you could suggest that the door area, or the skopa, this threshold, is a Rashuti Yahid, even if the door is open you're missing a key element here, which is the other Lechi. If you want to suggest that it's an area that does not qualify for a reshut and it does not require a Lechi, so the same statement, even though it doesn't meet the requisite even though it doesn't meet the requisite you still need a second lechi in that case. So even though it's an area that is very small, despite the fact that it's not a qualified rishut bifnei small, despite all of that, it still requires a second lechi. It still requires a lechi on the outside in order to be material. So please explain to me how it is that this is skopa, this threshold is going to qualify, this threshold here is going to qualify as a rishut a yachid, how could that be if you don't have a Lechi on the outer side of the wall? Askinan. We're dealing with an iskopa from a mavoi, not a iskopat bait. The difference we before discussed the difference between an iskopat bait and an iskopat mavoi. Over here, the distinction that Rashi is going to draw between them is Mikura, That the mavoi that of the threshold is partially roofed and partially left open. And the roofing ends towards the inside. So petach patuach, when you have the door open, it has a din like the inside. On the other hand, if the doorway is closed, then it's kilachutz. So now Grash is going to explain how this works. What exactly is the case that we're talking about here? So if you look in Rashi it says Hakabiskobad Mavuya skinan. It says, Avalobimavui bilechi. So the first thing is we're not using a Lechi over here. So there is no Lechi. So that first is going to avoid the problem or the question that we asked originally, which is where's the Lechi? There is no Lechi, and that's why there was no mention of the Lechi. it says, This threshold and the area of the entrance to the Mavui is very wide. petach mikure. Half of it is covered with the roof. And the other half is not covered with the roof. He put on a beam towards the Mavoi side of it. When the doors open, it is like the inside. From the edge of the Korah and inwards. So over here, where you have a doorway, here he's suggesting that they just have this beam here, the inner beam. And when there's a principle in Erevin, which is called Chod uh, HaTikra Yared V'Sotein, which is the edge of the Tikra, of the roof, goes down and closes. It's the equivalent of being another wall, Gudachit. We use the principle in Sukkah, we use the principle in Erevin, which is that if there is a tefach, at least of thickness up here, that it's tikra piatikra Yared V'Sotein, that the edge goes down and makes the end. So over here, this edge of the inner beam, assuming that there's no outer beam here, just the inner beam, this is the inside, the one towards the void and then the outer edge of that beam will go down and be so tame as long as the door is open. If the door is closed, then the outer edge of the beam is outside, of the so that's what Rashi is explaining. That you're allowed to use under the korat itself. You're allowed to utilize. Oh, mishum the milabar, or because the heker has to do with the outer edge of the beam. So either way, that you can utilize. Now, when the petach is naul, when the door is closed, then we have a problem. The door the problem is that when the door is closed, the she'im dalit inan then it's missing the requisite minimum shiur for a reshut. So over here, where the door is locked, the area that's left over here, even though it might have a covering or an area like that, it's too small. Yeah, it's too small. It doesn't have a dalad al-dalet. It's too small an area. And it being too small an area, it doesn't matter that the upper beam is there and you have the edge of the beam coming down to make it into a reshut. It's just not a reshut. It fails the test of a reshut. And then it's a It has to be dalad al-dalet. It is dalit al dalit when the door is open, or then it's connected to the inner mavoy. But once you close the door, that outer side, this area on the outer side, is not dalit al dalit. So it fails the test of reshut when the door is closed, and therefore the beam has no impact when the door is closed. When the door is open, then the whole area of the petach over here, you can see, is is available or counts towards it, and then you have dalit al dalit. So now. Rashi points out here, mikura. this whole thing about half-roofed, not half-roofed, truthfully, the roof could go all the way to the outside, like over here in this picture, it could reach the edge, all the way to the end. Right, the problem is not the roof, the problem is the missing the requisite Dalet al-Dalet. So it doesn't matter if the roof ends halfway, or the roof gets all the way out to the edge. Problem is, once you close the door, whatever is left on the outside is not Dalet al dalat and are not being dalit al Dalad, That's where you run into your problem. That's where the failure is. So Rashi says it's even sheel sheein dalit. mishum the stam uviachumah ino Stam is not less than dalit. So in order to deal with the issue, the Gemara made it half mikureh, me- half not mikureh. <meerhalb> but technically, if the outer edge was less than dalit al Dalid here, then the roof could come to all the way to the outside, and you have the same din. Rashi's is just saying over here that this area on the outer edge could be more than Dalit al dalad in our case. And the problem is that the edge of the Korah doesn't reach the end. It doesn't cover an area that's Dalit al dalad. It doesn't cover an area of al Then you don't have a Mechitza that is within Dalit al dalad. So that's the, the failure here according to Rashi. And that's the answer. The answer to our question over here is why is there no Lechi? There's no Lechi because we're using another method. The other method is called Korah. The Korah... A beam that lays across the top. Now, why does it make a difference when the door is open and closed? It makes a difference because you need the minimum shear of dalad al dalad. So when the door is open, you have that requisite shear of dalad al dalad, And the beam will then cause, the outer edge of the beam will be like an extra mechitza. And anything till the outer edge of the beam will be considered within the mavoid Close the door then whatever's left outside of the door, either if it's completely roofed and it's less than dalad al-Dalet, or if the beam ends before it reaches a point that it has Dalet al dalad, over there you have a failure to have Dalet al dalad. there's no mechitza, mechitza doesn't matter anymore, and that's why there's a problem when the door is closed. So that's why Rashi explains it according to the first answer, which is, Amarav Yehudah Merav, Biskopat Mavui Askinan. Now the other possibility is, Ravashi Yamar Dolam Biskopat Askinan. We're talking about here not an Iskop of a Mavui, Right here again, the Iskop of a Mavui is something that sits between the shutra beam and an area of, we'll call it a kuldusak, that has many chatserot or batim on it. But rather we're talking about the a Abayit talking about a doorway to a house, like in this case over here, where you're talking about the doorway to the house, and then instead of putting one beam on top, the Gemara explains over here, that, they use two beams on top, neither of the beams themselves has, individually has four tvachim to it, but there's less than three tvachim between them, Which already in your mind should ring a bell. Lavud, right? Lavud means that the area is as if it doesn't exist. So if you look at the whole area, the two beams together plus the empty space of lavud, I have a greater area than the dalid that I require. On the other hand, if I'm to separate between the beams, then each beam by itself is not sufficient to get you to the minimum shiur. And that's why over here you say if the door is open. Then I have the requisite shiur of the Korah over an area that is dalid al dalid, Because it goes, the two Korah together will now be covering an area that's Dalet al-Dalet. That is skopa, which is independent of anything that's on the inside or the outside, because it's the skopa tabayit. Skopa tabayit is totally separate. The skopa tabayit can be considered part of the mavoi. That way, if you open up the door, what's behind it or part of the mavoi could be included. But over here, the skopa tabayit is independent. And then, being independent, it will now depend on whether the door is open or closed. When the door is open, the two korot together, because they're within three tefachim of each other, and the two of them together, each one is less than four tefachim, but together they will meet the requisite shiur, then I'm fine. I have now the requisite shior for mechitza, and the outer edge of the korah will be yoreid and sulteim, and that will give me what I need in order to make it a reshuta yachid. On the other hand, if the door is closed then each beam sits independently. If each beam sits independently, we just said that each beam itself does not reach the requisite four. It doesn't reach up to the arba'at t'vachim, And if that's the case, if the petach is open, then it has a din like the inside. Because I now have the requisite shiur to have a mechitza there, because now I have the four t'vachim, and it'll be as if it is a rishuta yachir On the other hand, if it's delet na'ol, or petach na'ol, the door is closed, then I have a failure because it's kalachutz because now I'm missing the requisite shiur to have a mechitza on the outer side. Once I close the door, this outer Korah does not meet the minimum shiur. Since it doesn't meet the minimum shiur, it can't be a mechitza. And that outer edge now will not be classified as a rishu ha Rashi explains about tikra dalid lo betela. As soon as you have a tikra that is dalid, it's not betel. You read that, it's timata binilat daled. gold basic principle here is that even if you close the door if the area meets the requisite test it will not be but the problem over here is that he used to korot. neither one of them by themselves has the requisite necessary sure and the door is right in the middle here have got because they don't have the Ein Beneim Gimel, Armin and Lavud. And then it'd be like one big unit, and they have the requisite Dalit. If the door's closed, then you're missing the requisite Dalit on each one of them. And obviously the inside won't be a problem, because the door will become the other Mechitza, but the outside will become a problem now, because it fails to have a proper area to have a Mechitza over it. The Dikra, the roof, now does not meet the requisite Shiur, or demand for Shiur, over here. It becomes a makom tur. Correct. correct, correct. It'll become a makom tur. Depending. I mean, it'll have to qualify. it have to be more than three tifachim high. it have to be less than four by four tifachim, right? I mean, it has to meet the the, the terms for makom tur. It'll either be a carmelite or a makom tur. One of the two. That's correct. Correct. What's interesting here, I don't know why Rashi has... The Gemara uses arba'a in all these cases. He uses daladal, dal, then uses arba'a, which would refer to tifachim. And Rashi over here, he uses sheinbo arba, which would refer to amot. I'm not sure why Rashi changed into the female shown here, which would have included Amot, right, it might have been Dalat al dalad in Rashi, and opened up the Arba, that's what it seems to me. When I was reading the Rashi, I said, oh, you know, it's a little strange, because all of a sudden, it's the only time on the daft that it uses Arba. Those are the two possible solutions to our problem, why the Scopa, when the doors open and close, could either be a Yahir on the outside, of Rashid rabim. the one solution was to say that it was dealing with Tukul Road, and we said the other solution is to say that it's half-roofed and half-not-roofed. And Rashi said, again, it wouldn't matter, it could be roofed all the way out, as long as that area did not have the minimum shiur for a mechitza. If it does meet the minimum shiur of the mechitza, then wherever that Qura ends, if that Qura does not extend four tfachim past the door, it doesn't have the minimum requisite shiur, and therefore you don't have a mechitza there, and you don't have a mishruta yachid when the door is closed. That's the two solutions to our problem. All right next, If the threshold is ten tfachim high, V'ra'ch v'dalad and four t'vachim white are zeh rishut li'atzma. It's its own entity. Its own entity because it's now like its own rishuta yachid. Misayile the ravitzkab baradimi. Damar ravitzkab baradimi. Omer ayah ravimera. Kol makom shatam mutze bet rishiyot ve'en rishut achat. Any you have two domains and they are one rishut kugon amud rishuta yachid gavo yud ra'ch v'dalad a'sur lekateivulav. So it's a very interesting concept. You're in a Rishut yachid. We said before that Rishut yachid is Oleh ad Anything in the Rishut yachid is a Rishut yachid. All of a sudden you find within the Rishut Yahid, you find this, whether it's a colonnade, a beam, a pole of some sort, that is 10 Tfachim high by 4 by 4 Tfachim. Now, it shouldn't matter because you're in Rishut Yahid. And everything in the Rishut yachid up to the sky is Rishut Yahid. Now that Amud, if it wasn't in a Rishut Yahid, but rather in Rishut rabim, what would be its status? Its status in Rashit Rabim would be a Rishuti Yachid in the middle of a Rishut Rabim. Over here, now I'm in a Rashut Yahid. So even if it is a Rashutti Yahid in the Rashuta Yahid, even if it's a separate Rishut, it's still a Rashut Yahid. So it shouldn't matter at all. Rabbi Meir was there over here. That Gozer Mishum Tel Rishut Rabim. Because in the Rishut Rabim, this would be problematic. If you had this pole that was 10 fakim high, four by four in Rashit Rabim, that would be a Rishuta Yahid in the Rishut Rabim, then when I find the same thing in the Rishut Yachid, I'm not gonna let you use it. Even though they're both Rishut Yachid, because and we're even, afraid. we're afraid, exactly, because they are Mishum Tel Rishut Rabim, we're afraid that it's going to look like the tell in Rishut Rabim, you're gonna get confused. You're gonna think in Rishut Yachid you can use it, so Tildu in the Rishut Rabim you can use it. And obviously it's very different. What's the hashash? hashash is that you will move from the Rishut Rabim to Rishutu Yachid, you'll move. If you do that in the Yachid, you'll think, oh, I have two domains, and i will allowed to move between the two domains. So I'll come into Rishit Rabim, and I'll do the same thing. But the problem is, in Rishit Rabim, there are two domains that are different, and that's what will cause the problem. Oh, very good. So Tosva would ask your question. What about an aliyah? When you have an aliyah and a downstairs, when you have two floors, why isn't that the same Zerah? Then that's exactly this case. You're above 10 Fahim, you have another 4 by 4 you have two different uh, levels in the house, you're dealing with two Rishiyot hayachid, within the same house, can you move between them? So Tosfot asks your question, how could it be that the Gzera? Now just point out, in the Tosefta, remember the Achirim are speaking, and we know other places that the Achirim is Rabbi Meir. That's why the Gemara here assigns this to Rabbi Meir, it's a Gzera of Rabbi Meir, that's why the Gemara brings in Rabbi Meir to explain the Akhirim, as, to, as Rashi points out. Tosfot asks your question, he says, Omeri, what about two floors in a house? There, it's their defined spaces. It's clear that they're demarcated, and there you're not going to make the mistake. The problem here is talking about a pillar. You're talking about some, you know, pillar in the middle of the Rashita yachid that doesn't have any demarcation in terms of mechitzot. Just happens to be a place that's convenient that you can use it. Remember, when we're talking about ten tefachim high or by four by four, you're not talking about an area that's very high. You're talking about an area that is very close to the ground. Over here you can see it. And we're talking about an area that is, is very low to the ground. When we're talking about like a teif to rest on it, it means to sit down and let, put your load down on it. It's something that's very easily utilized within the Rishut HaYachid. And maybe you can make the same mistake in using it in the Rishut HaRabim. Because it's not easily defined, it's not separate in a, in a real sense. And because of that, there's the Gezei But where it's clear, defined, and separate, like the Baid Valiya, over there we don't worry about you mixing up the Rishut HaRabim. What's the, um, the border? Because, okay, if it's like a beam, like it's so small, so yeah. there's a shashat that we say to people. But if it's like a small room, or a small Right, mall, so there, I think that's exactly what Tosafot is pointing out. Yeah, there I mean, you it went as a, a Right? right. It will be a rishut yachid, but we're not going to worry about it in a rishut is When that is found in a yachid, do we make such a gzera? You're right, in a rishut that would be a rishut yachid. That's not the question. The question is, am I gozer in a rishut yachid, you'll come and mix them up. So there, Rabbi Meir says yes when it's dealing with the beam. When you're dealing with rooms, you're dealing with Beit Balya. There, you're not going to get mixed up. What there, there, then it might be that it would be under. The only good news is that Tosfos says that there is a principle in Shas that any time Rabbi Meir makes a Gzeira in Shas Halacha Komoto Afilu the Gabe Rabin. Even if the majority argues on him, we go we pass him like Rabbi Meir. About here, hacha, in Rabbi meir. Over here, the alocha is not like Rabbi Meir, because in Irvin, there's Rabbi Shimon who argues on him, and the Gemara over there says that all these Rishiot are considered Echad, because there the Gemara passes against openly, like Rabbi Shimon. Since the Gemara passes like Rabbi Shimon, that everything is a Echad, we know the alocha is not like Rabbi Meir. Anyway, the thought it's not going to be relevant to us, because this, uh, of Rabbi Meir does not take effect. But just to understand, Rabbi Meir himself, Tosafot explains what the difference between a and Aliyah and the Amud is. It's, uh, that it's a Rishut atzma, because even though it's a Rishut yachid and it's near a Rishut yachid, it's called a Rishut b'fnei But really, it's a like Xerah, right? Technically, it is a Rishut b'fnei Atzmah. In the Torah, it's also a Rishut b'fnei It just doesn't matter because they're both Rishuyot yachid. Question is, do we give significance to the fact that it's a different Rishut? Rabbi Meir says yes. We're going to give significance to it. And that acherim, we know, is Rabbi Meir in the Mishnah. So that would be consistent in Rabbi Meir's opinion, that when you add something that's a separate Rishut, even though they're the same Rishut, the same domain, nevertheless, we're going to give significance to that. And that's Rabbi Meir the Okay, now we begin the second Mishnah in Shabbat. The Mishnah is interesting because, as Rashi points out, or points out over here, the Mishnah is not only relevant to Eru Shabbat and Eru Yom Tov. It's true on every day. So why is it here? It's because its formulation is very similar to the next Mishnah, which only deals with things that are on Erev Shabbat. Now we have, according to some of the Rishonim over here, some of the Rishonim believe that the first Mishnah is here only because we're dealing with carrying on Erev Shabbat. So now you have two Mishnayot here that are only here because of the next Mishnah, which talks about wearing something going into Shabbat that we're afraid you're going to carry it into the Shabbat. So the Mishnah before is there because it has a similar type of formulation. And the Mishnah before is because of hotzaah which is the first Momacha that we're going to bump into dealing with Erev Shabbat. So according to those let that say that that's a connection, this is the second of two Mishnayot, which are not necessarily relevant, but only introduction to the final Mishnah, which will be why we started the Mosefta over here. So now, Mincha. person should not sit down in front of the barber right before Mincha. First you gotta daven, then you can sit down. Christians go into the bathhouse. Below the burski, not into the tanning area, here, not tanning, like suntan, but tanning where you take the heights and you cure them in that area, that's called the burski. Below the achol, not to eat a meal. Below the din, not to sit down to adjudicate a case. But if you begin, you don't have to stop. So in all of these items, you shouldn't sit down with them before Mincha, until you've davened Mincha, but if you do sit down, in Mavsikim, we don't stop you, Mavsikim the Kriyat Shema, vein Mavsikim the Tefillah. On the other hand, when it comes to Kriyat Shema, we will force you to stop, by Shmon Esser, we won't force you to stop, there's a simple distinction between them, which is Kriyat Shema is mina torah, and Tefillah is only Midar and so that distinction will lead us to a position that if you start, then we're going to force you to stop. When it comes to Kriyat Shema, when it comes to Tefillah, we're not going to force you to stop. Now, in these cases, we're assuming that there's Ikashahot Bayom Leitzvallel. There's still time left in the day to it. We're not assuming here that you started and we're going to say, uh, ah, forget about Mincha. No, we're assuming that there's plenty of time to in Mincha. And we're going to see in the Gemara why these issues are problematic to start them. Yeah? because they can draw out over long periods of time. Because of that, we're worried about, it'll pass and you'll be an onus and you won't be able to dab in mincha. But when you start, the assumption is that you could dab in mincha later on, if there's time left in the day, to dab in mincha. And the other thing is, that both Rashi and Tosafot explain over here, that afilo bi bi'isur. Even if you start bi'isur, then there's still, you do not have to be mafzik. So generally, we have a principle where, if we say, don't do something, and you violate that don't do something, we're gonna force you to stop and take care of the other issue. Over here, Telsavod says that's not the way the Mishnah is working. The mission is giving you a suggestion, don't do this. And again, the situation is where you have time to left in the day, Davim in the, the day. Therefore, if you start, we're not gonna force you to stop, even though you violated the suggestion of the mission and started improperly. So we don't force you to stop. And again, all of these principles, all this is in the Mishnah, as Rashi Pote says, Aphilub Nami. And this is in distinction, a contradistinction to the Mishnah and P'sachim, which says there that you may not eat meals, that there you may not eat until it gets dark from the Zman Mincha Over there, Tosavod points out that's only on Arab Shabbat and Arab Yom Tov, because there it is Kedeli Kanais, the the B'te'Avon. And there it's to come into the Shabbat or into the Yom Tov with the appetite. So in order to come in with an appetite, there it's only relevant on Shabbat Yom Tov, where there's a significant Suda at night. On a regular weekday, it doesn't really bother us whether you have an appetite or not when you come in at night. So that Mishnah is only Erev Shabbat, Erev Yom Tov. This Mishnah is Anchol as well, because you were dealing with Mincha. Mincha is relevant whether you're talking about Erev Shabbat, Erev Yom Tov, or you're talking about any day. Mincha is still a relevant factor. Now, the Gemara asks the various question, which is the same question I would have asked in the Gemara in Brachot, which is, which mincha are we talking about here? Right, there are two m- minchas that we know. We know that from the Gmar Brachot. There's mincha Gedola. Or there's mincha Ktana. Mincha Gedola starts at 12.30. Starts at 6.5 hours on the day. Well, the question of why it starts at 6.5 hours on the day. Over here, Rashi seems to indicate that that's the L'Chachila. That's the time when it's what we call Ben Erev is when the sun is already casting a shadow, it's moved off the center point. And Rasha here says that when the sun is between the time of 11.30 to 12.30, in the daytime, you know, perfect day, in that area, the sun is not recognizable whether it's to either side. Only once it crosses over the threshold of the 12.30 area do you begin to have Erev, and therefore it'll be Ben Arabayim. So here it sounds like the L'Chachila, Mincha time, is from 12.30 and on. In other places like the Gemara and Yoma, and places like that, it says the reason that they waited until twelve thirty was because the walls of the Beit HaMikdash were very thick. Because the walls of the Beit HaMikdash were very thick, they didn't cast a shadow until the sun reached the 12.30 point. And that's why they waited until 12.30. But, Mikardin, Adin, afternoon, already at the noon point, it would have been fine for Mincha. They just waited because they had thick walls, or they waited because they didn't want anybody to make a mistake. So in different places, it's formulated differently in Rashi, whether as to whether the issue is an issue, I meaning that you cannot in during that period of time, period, because that's not considered to be Ben Arabayim, or because of some other exogenous variable, we say, don't wait until 12.30, even though Amikar Adin, afternoon, from 12 o'clock and onward, would have been Ben Arabayim, either because the walls of the Beit Dasha thick, or, because we don't want people to make a mistake, noon is too exact in order to make a mistake, and therefore we wait until 12.30 to start mincha. So it's one of, one of those two. New, they have a Correct. But that doesn't mean it's been our yet, right. Right? right? That might be true by marev time. Myriv might be defined by when mincha ends and when shacharit starts, but mincha starting is not necessarily defined by when shacharit ends, because according to Behuda, it ends at Dal Shaot. Nobody thinks, or Behuda thinks mincha starts at fourth hour of the day. So, Shacharit is definitely not the definer of when Mincha starts. So, then, the Gemara says, okay, which of these is it? Elaim ala we're talking about Mincha Am Why can't you start these items or these processes close to Mincha Dola? You're starting around noontime. Look, another five and a half hours left on the day to Davi Mincha. Ha'ika shalut Tuva. You have plenty of time left in the day. Why would you have any worry? Ela must be Mincha Mincha ketana is nine and a half hours on the day from three thirty and onward. That's where minchah ketana starts. That's the time that they normally brought the tamed shabbener abayim. So if they start, you can't be mafsik. So now the gemara says, okay, we must be dealing with minchah And here, if you start, we don't force you to stop. So that's a problem for the statement of Yemshubin Levi. That's a problem for the statement of shitom Levi that once you reach the point of Mincha, here we're assuming that's Mincha tana, you're not allowed to taste a morsel until you've daven Mincha. So how could it be here? Our Mishnah is indicating that you don't have to stop. And Rabbi Shubin Levi says you can't taste a morsel before you daven Mincha. The easy solution to the problem would have been to say that Armish Mishnah is talking about a case when he started Beheter, that he started before Mincha tana. Just like by Abdullah, We have a rule by Abdullah that one is not allowed to be toin klum until they make Abdullah. But if you start your meal before Shia on Shabbat, you're allowed to continue the meal even though you have not made Abdullah yet because you started beheter. So when you started beheter, the restriction of asur tom doesn't apply to you. Whereas when you come to the point of isur, then we say asur tom. The easy solution to the problem over here would to say that our Mishnah is talking about when well, you started there. You started before Min Chavtana, and therefore there's no question. You can continue. Rabbi Shuban Levy is talking about a case where once you've hit the threshold nine and a half hours, 3.30 on the day, then Asur Tom, you can't taste. So Tosva asks that question. Why not? Why doesn't the Gemara solve the problem that way? So Tosva goes back and says it must be that our Mishnah, the base of our Mishnah is read, it says that If you start, you don't have to stop. Generically it says it. And the implications are that even if you start a bee sewer, well, that's why we don't use that as the solution. The solution is not good because the Mishnah seems to indicate even if you start a bee sewer, we don't require you to stop. If that's the case, now we have a problem that the Bishub and Levi's had on with our Mishnah. Because our Bishub and Levi's saying, if get to the point of 3.30, you can't touch a food, you can't touch a morsel. And our Mishnah is saying, if you start a meal then, don't have to stop. So how do we deal with that? So although they all want some muh to minchag so way to solve that problem is to move it back to minchag dola. And therefore our mission is not a problem for bshuven levi. Bshuven levi is talking minchag Our mission is talking about minchag dola. Now we're back to square one. If our minchag dola has plenty of time left in the day, why can't you start that? So ubi tisporet ben elasa. Let's do it the haircut of ben elasa. That is a haircut that was given to the coin in Gadol. It was a very detailed, involved type of haircut. The Gemara describes it in Yoma and other places, that it was a way that you cut each hair, so that that hair, the tip of that hair, touched the root of the next hair. Whatever it was, it was a very difficult type of haircut. It was given to the Kohen Gadol. And Rashi here quotes the story that's brought in that shall Rabbi Hayah, that Elasa was the son in law of Rabbi, and he spent a ton of money to learn how to give this particular type of haircut that was required by the Kohen Gadol. So, since it's very involved, we're not talking about it's something that's a short process. So, then even at Minchon Gadol already, you should start worrying. So uh, right. I mean, no, wait. No, no, that, kind of, like, Correct. Uh, that haircut was given to the coin godo but other people could get it. It's just a very involved haircut. Hair that. hair hair that. hair hair that. hair. Correct, that. correct. It wasn't. The are going to save all of these. Below the marxas. We're talking about not going to the bathhouse. We're not talking about simply just a quick in and out shower. We're talking about the Kule Milta, of the merchats. We're talking about the whole kidding kaboodle, which means, a Show, it means to do a shampoo. Uh, take a dip in the hot water. Butsoni, and then to the cold water. Right? And then to the hazia, to the Schwitz. The whole thing, from beginning to end. Kidding So that's a long, much longer process. I have a lot of burski. I'm talking about a burski into the tanning area. Lot of burski gudola. Talking about a very large burski. And as Rashi points out over here, we're talking about a case where they just started. He just started to cure them. And therefore, it's very involved. Because it's big, and they just started. Those two factors together make it that it's going to be a long, drawn-out process if you enter in. Talking about a very large meal. Talking about, you know, you sit down, it's going to be a big feast. Now, in their day, when you sat down to a meal, that was very involved. If you just remember from the Gemara and Brachot, when it described all the etiquette that went with the meal where they went to the anteroom first and they had wine there and then they had to sit down in a certain way they laid down on the couches they washed their hands two times three times it was a very involved thing if you came to a meal you were going to be there the rest of the afternoon so then better. well is not to open up or start a new case because that could go on for a long time you have no idea how long that would last so that's the solution here In all of these cases where the suggestion is, according to the Gemara, we're talking about mincha dola, and we're talking about these very expanded, or issues that take up a very large amount of time, and therefore you're going to run into a problem with mincha. All right, once you start, you're involved, and it's hard for you to break away from them. So right, both of those reasons will make it that we don't want you to uh, start. Yaakov Amar, b'tispor talking about a regular haircut, so then why shouldn't he sit down? Zera Shema Yishavir HaZuk So Ravakar Yaakov says don't have to be where this is these unique circumstances where it's going to last a long time this could even be regular everyday types of activities but these activities have risk involved in them and that risk makes it that we don't want you entering into these activities because they could be drawn out so that's the old, um, the first possible we store the regular haircut, the chadkhila mailo, mailo yashav, gzei shema yishavar azug, because maybe these scissors will break, which will be very involved, and then make it into a long drawn-out process. Lola chatz, lazia, they don't want you going into the bathhouses just for a schwitz, a regular schwitz, valma, the chadkhila mailo, why can't you go in? gzei shema yitaleif. I don't know why it shouldn't be but because maybe you'll faint. I don't know if it literally means to faint, or it means that you'll become tired, and you'll become overcome by sleep, and fall asleep, and it'll be difficult for you to dive in afterwards. The all the burski, when you go into the burski, the Une ba'alma, he's just going to a regular burski, a regular tanning area, where the hides have been in there for a while. But what's the problem? Chachila mylo, why can't you go in there? Dilma chazi pseida, Bizvine. you'll see something that's going wrong. Umatrid, and then you will be bothered by it. And this is very interesting. Rashi says, You'll be weighed down by the pain, meaning that the loss that you have here, that will cause you not to daven. You would have thought, well, it's the problem here. You see something that's going wrong, and then you're going to deal with it, and you're going to try to fix it. Rashi says, no, what's the tarid? The tarid here is that it's going to bother you so much that you won't be in a state of mind to be able to daven afterwards. And that's what we're worried about. V'lo lechol because <laughs> maybe the meal get drawn out. Right, you start out with a little snack, a little meal, and then it becomes a big meal. If right, you din, well, you can't sit down to adjudicate a case, big That's time at the end. It's again the Psakalocha. Aloha. <laughs> so the problem is that maybe you'll come to the ending, uh, concluding argument, and now you're going to get a psakhalokha, and then you realize, oh, no, no, I want to change it. Well, if I did that, once you change it, you're starting over again. You're going to as if you're beginning a new case, and that's what the problem here is, that you maybe you'll get caught up in the new case. The halokha here it has a huge nafkamino. There's a huge nafkamino between whether we think this is restricted in these areas. All these items, which are regular items, are they restricted from... Onwards, or, do we go to the first answer of the Gemara, which is talking about these unusual cases where they are very, very involved processes, and that's what you're not allowed to get involved with. So, Toswad says over here, ben If you look at that he says, hilchata, That this is the Aloha. That you're allowed to start a Suda by Mincha Gedola. The dafka skudagdola. Just the sudagdola I said in the first case. So the first answer of the Gemara is problematic. Gigon, what's the example? Sudat erusin, vinesuim, sudat mila. Those are asurim. Those are very, those are big feasts. Those are big involved meals. Those you can't start close to minchagdola. But a regular Suda, you could start. You could have lunch near the time of minchagdola without any problem. Why do we pass them like that? We have by yaakov, and then we have the lishna Kama Very interesting reasoning of tosafot. So it says that Sotam lana shas. the first answer was given without any assignment of the author of the position. It was given as an anonymous position. It's a Stam Gemara. And then the latter half we assign to Ravachar B'Yakov. Who do we assign as Stam Shas? Well, Ravashi is the organizer of the Shas and he's a Batra. So if I'm dealing with an argument, had I known that it was Ravashi versus Ravachar B'Yakov, I would have passed him like Ravashi. So Tosavot says, if I have a Stam Gemara, who is the author of a Stam Gemara? must be Ravashi. So if Ravashi is the author of a Stam Gemara, now we have a of Ravashi, who is a Batro, and the wach will be like him, against Ravachar Beyakov. So that's the reasoning that Tosavot gives, that we pass him like the first Lashon, and not the second Lashon, because it's, we really Stam Gemara is Ravashi, against Ravachar Beyakov. So he says, So he Asur. Once you eat then it's a Even a small meal. That we know from the Mishnah Impsachim, the first Mishnah and the tenth Barak Impsachim. And if you start there, Mafsikim, we're gonna stop you. Now again, our Mishnah says if you start, even by Isor, we don't stop you. But that's back in Minchak Dola. By Minchak if you start and you do it illegally, we're gonna stop you. So he says, wait a minute. Is Alokhalek Rabbi Shuben Lady? That's Rabbi Lady's position over here. So he says that, alank, ben Levi. we don't pass like Rabbi Shuvah Ben Levi, who says you can't touch a morsel until you dab in Mincha. So does says the loch is not like it. But he just said, if you start illegally the meal, you have to stop. That's based on Rabbi Shuvah Ben Levi. So he bifurcates Rabbi Shuvah Ben Levi and says, we don't pass like Rabbi Shuvah Ben Levi. If you eat fruit, if you eat small items or snacks after Mincha Tana, that's fine. We don't believe that like Rabbi Shuvah Ben Levi is not allowed to taste anything after Mincha Tana. But, on the other hand, we do take one of the dinim of Rabbi Shub Levi, which is, if you start illegally, we're going to stop you. We're going to say, you have to stop, and you have to daven mircha, because you're moving into the risk zone. You're too late in the day, and you started illegally, then we're going to stop you and say, you must stop the meal in order to daven. And now the Gemara continues and says, okay, what is considered to be starting? What is considered to be starting a haircut? What's considered to be starting a din? All of these items, how do we define them? So Nagmar says, Me'ematai atchalat When does the haircut begin? So when he puts down the cover, the sheet, today it'd be the equivalent of the apron that they put around you when you get your haircut, right? Rashi explains to cover your clothes so that the hair doesn't fall on your clothing. It's the same thing that we use today. That's considered to be the beginning of the haircut. Once you've started, Inmafsikin. That's the start of the haircut. atchalat merchats. What is considered to be the beginning of entering the bathhouse? When he takes off his afarto. Now that's translated by different people. Some have translated as a cloak. Rashi over here says a sudar, which would be like a turban or head covering of sort that you remove. But it's the first article of clothing that you would remove. Once you remove that first article of clothing, that's already considered to be the start of the bath. When is it considered that you've begun to investigate or look into the tanning area? Make sure ben ketefav when you put on the apron. You know the aprons that they wear in these situations, these big uh, aprons to protect their clothing from the materials that they're using to cure. Once you've tied that apron between your shoulders, I meaning around the neck, the top part of it, then already you've begun the process, and you don't have to be mafsik. Rashi mentions that they were batez ro utav. That will be sleeves. I don't know if it was part of the apron. I don't know if they were gloves. Whatever it is that you put on when you go into the Burski. Over here it sounds like Ben ketefav Between your shoulders. It sounds like you have to tie something around your neck. It sounds more like an apron than sleeves. But the apron could add sleeves on it. When is the beginning of eating the meal? So here we have a machlug. We have a Rav Amar. Mishito Yadav. When you wash. That's the beginning of the meal. Rabbi Chanina Amar. Mishito chagura. When you open up your belt. And in their day, they wore their belts tight, so you opened up your belt to make room for the meal. And I guess also they're expecting that All meals in their day you washed for. That's a modern phenomenon, that you have a meal that you don't wash for. That's why the halach is so difficult for us in some instances, because we can eat three meals in a day and never wash. Their assumption was, if you ate a meal, you washed. It was a suda, it was a full-fledged suda. Kumar says, they don't argue. That's for them, that's for us. Them and us, whenever you have that in the shas that means Eretz Yisrael... And Bavel. The only problem is which is which. Now we have. It would be easy here. I'll tell you why it's easy. Because who's Rav? Rav is found in Bavel. So the answer should be that Rav is in Bavel. Rabbi Chanina is in Eretz Yisrael. There's a problem. Which is the next line in the Gemara? Amar Rabbi, Hanechavrayin Bavlai. Our good friends in Bavel, Abaye is in Bavel. Our good friends in Bavel. The one who says the teviler, arvit is an optional tefillah. Once he opens up his belt, we're not going to bother him to stop and daven maruf. The one who says that arvit is an obligation, then Then we're going to force him to go back. So Abaye who's in Bavel and speaking about chavrin Bavel is talking about undoing your belt as the beginning of the meal. But, that was the opinion of Rabbi Chanina before. So now we have a problem. It sounds like Babel is the place where we're talking about undoing the belt, and Etilat Yadayim is in Eretz Yisrael, which is the opposite of what Rabbi and Rabbi Khanina present. This becomes a problem throughout Shas. Tosafot over here already deals with it. And throughout Shas, there are different opinions. The main machloka between Rashi and Tosafot is the Kedushin and Haftetim with Bet. Over there it says, Halal and halohu. And there the Gemara is arguing about whether it's better to get married first and then learn Torah, or to learn Torah and then get married. The Gemara answers over there, and Haluhu, And Rashi and Tosvot argue about the explanation. Over here, Tosvot says, I'll tell you what the explanation is. The explanation is that Rav was speaking to his students from Eretz Israel, and Rabbi Hanina was speaking to his students from Babel. So even though Rabbi Kanina is in Eretz Yisrael, he's speaking to the students of Bavel, and even though Rob's in Bavel, he's speaking to the students in Eretz Yisrael, and that's the way we'll solve the problem over here. The question or the issue is that it doesn't work so well in other places. And that's what Toswit says over here. The Gemara and Brachot doesn't work so well that way, because the Gemara and Brachot, visibly asked from the one who has the opinion that it's in Bavel, is the one that resides in Bavel. And so the Gemara clearly assigns the Amora whose opinion is in Babel, to the B'nei Babel. So if the Gemara does that in Brachot, and I pointed this out when we did it in Brachot, then that makes it over here that the Hala and Halehu means if the Amor is in Babel, he's speaking to B'nei Babel. If he's in Eretz Yisrael, he's speaking to B'nei Eretz Yisrael. So would gives an answer, like the answer he gave that answer there as well, was Yesh Lamar, The Kimle, de Shallah Ayu, Lofana, Eretz Yisrael. Gemara Baruchot was certain at that time that he had no Talmidim from Eretz Yisrael with him. So he said, normally they had foreign students with them, and that's the explanation of this case in Chassid. Yeah. But in that year, they didn't get any foreign students, and that's why the statement was made in the context of it has to be that the person from Bavel was speaking to Bnei Bavel, because he didn't have any foreign students with him. All right, now we move on to the next thing, which is Tefillah Arid Rishud, where he Now the Gemara in Brachot with Tefillat read Rishut and Chova usually the term Rishut means optional. That's the way I translated it over here. It means that it's up to you. You want to daven Maariv, don't want to daven Maariv. It's up to you. Tosafot and Tefillat Shachar took issue with that and said Rishut over here does not mean optional. Rishut over here means in contrast to Mitzvah Chova. Chova says you're obligated. Rishut means not optional, but it means not Chova. Not Chova means I have to look at my circumstance. If I have nothing else that's competing, then I have to dab in Mariv. If I have something competing, then I will opt out of Mariv for the competing item. And that's what Rishut means, and Tosafot says it over here as well. He has a little difficulty with it over here, because over here it sounds like, if you have Tvayot, Dari Rishut, it sounds like you wouldn't dab in at all, according to Tosafot. He says, Vim typically Mishum The first question he asks is, wait a minute, it's, you said in our Mishnah that you don't have to stop for Tvila, but you have to stop for Kriyat shema. So here, the statement of Abayi says that you open up your belt for nighttime, you don't have to daven anymore. So what about Kriyat which is Doraita? So he says, You already said Kriyat so we're done with the Doraita side. <speaking in Hebrew> You shouldn't just give it up for no reason. It has to be for some necessity. What's a necessity? You opened up your belt. You opened your belt already. Ah, oh, we're not going to bother you to put your belt back on in order to go and daven. But it sounds like from Tosuet over here, that means that you're not going to daven Mairif at all. It's not like, oh, you'll postpone it till later. It sounds like you're just not going to daven. Right, correct. Rash is clear that here it's just a postponement of Mairif till a later time. So those vote, it sounds like here we're in competition. And when competition, it means that we drop Marif. I don't know why he does. Especially given his opinion, where Rashut means optional, when I would say it's competing items, like Rashi. So you postpone it till later. Not that you get rid of it. According to Tosfos, Rashut means that you would get rid of it. Means don't get rid of it for no reason. But it sounds like if you did have a reason, you'd get rid of it. You wouldn't have of it at all. So it's interesting that Tosfos formulates it that way. I don't think you have to. I think you could formulate like Rashi without any problem and still have the definition of Rashut that Tosfos has. But just know that that is a machloket vishoneh back in the Gemara in Brachot as well. whether means literally optional. And if you decide you don't want to, you do want to. That's what it means. Or like Tosfos explains, to be Rishut in contrast to Chovah, which means that you're not obligated, but if there's no other competing item, we're going to ask you to Daven Marif. And doesn't says, I can prove that to you, because Gemara says, Tevila Darvit Tikna Yaakov. So what does that mean? Tikna Yaakov Marif for what? it if, if, if has to be some sort of Takana that he established it for some purpose. And same thing with negative Evarim Uptarim. What does it mean that Marif is Evarim Uptarim? It can't mean that it's just you do whatever you want. There has to be something that Marif has some meaning in that context. Even if you say Rishut. You still have to have some meaning, and therefore there is a mitzvah to daven marif. Exactly. Okay, so that's exactly right. It's not ma'akeh, but it means there is a mitzvah. There's still a mitzvah to do it. Right. So he is going to define it, the rishut, the same way. And that's his proof, that rishut doesn't mean optional. It means a mitzvah, not a chova. Right? That's that's the way he's going to define it. V'ha tefilet Wait a minute. Minchoa, the kuli chova Our Mishnah talks about mincha where it's a chova, and over there we said, if you open up your belt mafsikin. So how can a buyer make a distinction between chova and Rishut? when our mission is by says you open your belt. Ein mafsikin. it's not in tchilu, ein mafzikin. If I'm Rabbi and Rabbi Chanan says that once you open your belt, you don't have to stop. Kamara says two answers. One is hotam By mincha time, people don't usually drink too much and then become inebriated and they won't be able to return to Dab mincha. By marev time, there's a high likelihood that you're going to become inebriated, and you will not be able to daven marev afterwards. Inami. <speaking> the mincha came into Kvile zimna mirta to blow <Hebrew> out to the mifsha. Mincha has a limited time to it. The sun will set, and that will be the end of zman midcha. person knows that they only have a window of opportunity to daven, and therefore it's always on their mind. When am I going to daven midcha? am I going to Marev, I have the whole night to daven, I got plenty of time to daven. They don't feel that pressure. Arvid gave into to Leila. Zvana Arvit, lo mirta, fa'ati the mifsha. Whenever you come to make that mistake. The only thing I want to note here is, it's very important, is why don't we dukhen at mincha time? Why do the Qanim not go up to duchen at mincha time? The Gemara says because of? Shikrut, because of, because of the possibility of becoming drunk. So how come over here, the Gemara is saying mincha, you don't get drunk? And yet, that is the reason that we give by Birkat Kohanim. Okay, but that should be enough. If it's not shichicha, then why you're going to be gozer no duchanim, no going up to the duchen or the Kohanim, and not the duchen because some people get drunk. It seems like a far fetched gzeirah. So Tosfot answers is that the threshold for being drunk for Birkat Kuanim is much lower than being drunk for tefillah. Being drunk for Kohanim is a v'yetiyain. You drink a v'yetiyain, you're disqualified by being olav the duchen. So that's a very low threshold. That you can drink one cup of wine and you're done. That's it, you can't talk it anymore. When we're talking about shichrut here, we're talking about inibriyah where you can't stand, it can't be omid with You can't formulate your tchilah. You can't stand properly before the mouth. That's a much, much higher threshold. And therefore that's the difference here. There is shichrut when we're talking about the threshold of drinking a ravit. Yeah, that means you have one cup of wine. They have wine at every meal. So that you have. But when we're talking about inebriate where you can't have a mincha, that was not shchiach by the time of mincha. Okay, we'll stop over here.